in America, there's a mission field. And Jesus's words ring very true here when he said in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What's that mission field? Well, we're going to talk about it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my lovely wife, Nikki. Hello. And before we dive into this topic and our eyes start bleeding, is there anything (laughs) you would like to say? Yeah, we were just talking a little bit ago about um, all the people who are getting sick with COVID, and this isn't about if you've taken a vaccine or not, but a lot of other things going on with it being uh, mandated now, FDA approved with Pfizer. I just think there's going to be a lot of chaos, and we want to remind everyone to love the brethren, and this is not an issue that divides the body, but Satan will use it as an issue to divide us. So pray for one another, pray for the sick, pray for those who will be losing jobs. We have brothers and sisters on both sides of the fence with this issue, so remember uh, the command from Jesus to love one another. There's no exceptions. Absolutely. And um, please take a second to like and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, please go ahead and follow us, whatever platform you're on, and then consider giving us a five-star review. If we are five-star worthy, we would certainly appreciate it. <laughs> so, oh, and also pray for us because this is really cool news. Um, got a hold of James White, who I'm sure if you're in the <laughs> Christian circles, you guys are very familiar with uh, Pastor White and... We're trying to get him in the works to come down to our church here in Florida and talk with us and uh, just pray that that would actually um, go through and all the, you know, uh, logistical things would fall into place and we'd be able to have him come down here and we would be Mm -hmm. blessed by his, you know, preaching and ministry. That would be awesome. Big fans of uh, Pastor White. So just pray for us on that. It was a really cool, bizarre opportunity, but we are happy for it. So. All right, this American mission field, the American mission field um, that we're talking about is sadly uh, the American church, in our opinion. The American church is in such desperate need of harvesters, and this episode is going to basically be a call out to missionaries and pastors basically alike. Um, The flocks that are under your noses, in large part they're on their way to hell. And I don't know how else to say it. Right. And I guess my challenge is what are you going to do about it? So, you know, this episode kind of as God likes to do things, right. They just always seem to sort of have a way of playing out. And we mentioned a few episodes back that we had a topic in our back pocket that we were just kind of waiting for an opportunity to speak on. And we kind of said we'd bring it to you the next time that there, you know, maybe was a lull in the Mars Hill episode, so we weren't reviewing them. And then just so happened, episode eight didn't come out this week. And then we wake up and one of the articles that we see um, comes from theblaze.com. And it seemed to almost be pushing us to get this episode put out. So um, (laughs) that's what we're doing today. So if you want to go ahead and read this headline, honey. Yeah. 
It says over 60% of born-again Christians between 18 and 39 say Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. Muhammad, Buddha are also valid paths to salvation. Incorrect. And the article goes on to say, the study which interviewed 3,100 Americans ages 18 to 55 in 2020 and looked at various other previous studies saw a drop in basic biblical worldview God's attribute, attributes, the accuracy of the Bible, salvation, and Jesus being sinless from 47% in 2010 to 25% in 2020 among born-again Christians. The drop in the expanded biblical worldview, beliefs about Satan and morals being objective, went from 32% in 2010 and 16% in 2020. So does this mean that 60% of people in your church are not saved? And to say they are born-again Christians, as if there can be Christians who are not born-again, because born-again means you are a Christian. That means you are saved. So I thought that was kind of a weird title. <laughs> yeah, like uh, maybe you've never heard this in church, um, so your pastor must uh, have failed you, or you just aren't listening, but allow us to tell you. Um, if you don't know that Christ is the only way into heaven— you're not a Christian. Um, I'm sorry to break that to you after all these years, but you're just not. So uh, Kirby Anderson, the president of Probe Ministries, um, who conducted this study, uh, in this article, he goes on to say, the fall of biblical views, especially among younger Christians, he sort of attributes that to the fault of the media. Mm -hmm. And I just disagree. I do um, too. I certainly think they play a part, you know, for sure they do, but we do no good shifting the blame to the media. Um, that basically, you know, they're saying the, the reasons Christians, and this was kind of my reasoning. They're basically saying the reason Christians are losing their faith is Satan. <laughs> because in my mind, mm -hmm. the media by and large, they've proven to be an arm of Satan in this country, especially, but at large. Um, they're propagandists, they're disinformationists, if that's a word. Um, so in my mind, they're an arm of Satan. Mm -hmm. So yes, Satan is a problem. <laughs> He's trying to get us to lose our faith. Nothing new there. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't see it that way. I think this is the American church's fault. And it's the pastors of those churches' fault, by and large. If you're the, the shepherd of that flock, you're going to bear the brunt of that responsibility. Right. Yeah, and I feel like this could just be a topic for another episode by itself, but who's to blame for this age group declining in their understanding of the biblical worldview? Sure, we could blame phones in part. Whatever you put before God is an idol, but we have God's word, and we are supposed to test all things through Scripture. But maybe most people misuse technology, and that's the problem, and it's not the technology itself that's the problem. It kind of sounds like the anti-gun argument here. So yeah. should we help Christians out by taking their phones away and then they'll all of a sudden understand? No, because people are their own problem. Everyone has the choice to whom they will serve. It doesn't matter how many voices, opinions, or distractions that you have. This is about priorities in individual lives. And I think this media age is a test of our faith. Who do we incline our ear to? Uh, we do have more voices to follow, but Jesus said, my sheep know my, know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. So no matter how many stranger's voices there are out there, his own will not 
follow and they will be able to dis- discern um, his voice because they read his word and they test those voices, you know, against his. So, yeah, I mean, for sure. And again, this isn't to say that the media, phones, technology, and all these sorts of things don't play a role because sure they mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um, but to say that that's the underlying reason, I think, is just shifting the blame. Yeah. And it doesn't actually fix the root cause of the problem. And like, Mm -hmm. the thing is, we could go over stats, right? You know, stat after stat after stat, showing you that people in this country who profess to be Christians don't actually adhere to like any real Christian principles. And we've done that in previous episodes. And of course, we're going to keep doing that going forward when we find these articles and different things. Um, But today's episode is not trying to just be stat heavy. This episode, we feel like should be a sobering call out of pastors, church leaders, the elders, and really just all established believers, Mm -hmm. Um, us included, you know, we're established believers and like what on earth are we doing as a Christian community and a Christian leadership community with this precious gospel that we've been given, not only a precious gospel that we've been given, but in a nation that it already had a faithful foundation laid. This mm-hmm. was a Christian nation, um, solid foundation of believers. And then in just the last few short decades, and excuse my French, but like we've pissed it all away. And if you're like, want to just go, oh, well, it's the phone's fault. Nah, man, like <laughs> that is such a scapegoat. And listen, like we understand at some level, right? Like if you've got a big church and you're like, Hey man, you know, my pews are packed every Sunday, you know, or you're on social media and you got a big following. Uh, maybe you wrote a book like a Josh Harrison, bunch of people bought it, you know, but the simple fact of the matter is none of that matters. Like, I mean, it matters to some degree. Sure. But the majority of people sitting in your pews, and I hate to say it cause it seems immensely harsh and Christians aren't supposed to be harsh apparently anymore. Um, they're going to hell. Like, just look at the stats, read the stats that we just talked to you about, read the article, go look at the stats for yourself. They're plentiful. I promise you. Um, and just survey after survey, they all say the same thing. The people that are coming to your church do not have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They are going to die and go to hell and you me, us, the church leaders, we're going to be standing before like a holy and righteous God and trying to explain what we did with the talents he gave us. Like that should send a chill down your spine that you're going to have a church where 60% of them or more go to hell. And you're going to be like, well, you know, I had 10,000 followers on Twitter. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. I just think if you have Christians in your church teaching others this, that there are more paths to God, the number one thing pastors need to be doing is just preach the gospel to their members. Um, Our churches are over over half full of unsaved people, and they are the mission field. So you already have it set up, so no excuse to not teach them. They already go to church and listen to their pastors. So if pastors want revival— they only need to preach the gospel because only Jesus can save sinners. So can you imagine if your church was 100% saved? No wonder we see so many lukewarm Christians. They aren't even saved to begin with. 
you know how most pastors preach the gospel just a little bit at the end of their sermon. Like it's a bonus. If you'd like to accept Jesus along with enjoying the sermon, well, we need to have them preach the gospel first. And if people don't believe that, then do a reverse altar call and say, then get out because the sermon is for those who believe. Yeah, and we've mentioned this before, and we got pushed back on it. And anytime you talk about thinning out the church and not being like entirely accepting of everybody that wants to come in, you know, the LGBTQ activist that doesn't want to give up their homosexual lifestyle, and you're supposed to just accept them and let them stay in your church and be leaders. And yeah, you start talking this way, and people are like, oh, you're going to kick people out of your church. And yeah, that's what the Bible tells you to do. Um, Paul instructs you to do that. That's but, why we have 60% that don't know the gospel. Yeah, these people go to your church and they're like, well, sure, Jesus seems great, but Buddha's all right too. And I guess if we... Who's bringing this you, in? Who do you think the people are who are bringing this in? Yeah, like, you know, we as a church, we love, you know, to make that altar call, right? We all hear it after that, you know, the crowd pumping sales pitch um, that you call a sermon. and you know, right after we have that rock concert to open the service every Sunday, you know, we reach for Romans ten thirteen. you know, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we call them all down to the altar and we're like, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's awesome. And nothing wrong with the verse. It's a wonderful verse and absolutely true. Uh, but where is the second act? What's next, right? Because apparently we call all these people down Oh, you want to get saved? Oh, you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. Everybody's <laughs> saved. And then they leave and they're like, so you want to go and uh, read up on this Muhammad and uh, Allah guy? What? Like, where's the second act? You know, and we put this together on our website. Um, religionlesschristianitypodcast.com. And this is just for the second act, basically. Um you know, we put this page up in assurance of salvation, sort of as a place. We also have like a road to salvation if you're unsure of, but this is something that I feel like churches have so, I mean, we've been going to church for 30 years, <laughs> me and Nikki, and I feel there's so few sermons I can actually look back on where pastors are preaching in assurance of salvation. Like what does a Christian life look like to actually be on the narrow path? What does that look like? Because sure, you call them down to get saved. God bless you for that. But what's next? Like you give them a Bible and send them home. That does no good. They don't understand it. They need a teacher to teach them that scripture. And you can just go to the book of first John. And that's where we got our um, assurance of salvation. As you see right here, he tells you in the book of first John chapter five, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm -hmm. How do you know you have eternal life? Read the book of first John, or you can thank us later. We did the hard work for you and we put it on our website, a very condensed version. Mm -hmm. So you can go there and read that, but you'll find out quite quickly that saying a simple prayer doesn't get you in. Yeah. It's a narrow path. Yeah. And there are few who find it for a reason because it's not necessarily easy. Um, yeah. And I feel like pastors, they've let you down. And you pastors, you've let them down by not preaching a message 
of a narrow path. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially in these days, we need the gospel more than ever. We need to hear it more. It needs to be repeated in our minds. We need that assurance. We need to make sure we are, and we need to be sharpened, and our faith is going to be tested. And these pastors treat, treat the gospel like a dessert at the end of their sermon meal. Like, if you have room, then take a nibble of the gospel. No, the gospel needs to be the main course. Your sermon is not the power of God into salvation. The gospel is. So your sermon needs to have Jesus front and center. If your sermon is about your best life now or how to defeat your Goliath because you see yourself as David, then you are full of pride to even think you have the faith that David had because he knew God and he feared him. You are not David. Your problems are not your Goliath. You do not get to speak your best life now into existence. Man-centered sermons are what those are. The revival that needs to take place is that men need to die to themselves and tremble on their faces before our holy God. No revival is coming through ear-tickling sermons that tell you how great you are. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is what Proverbs 1-7 says. And we need to be telling God how weak and pathetic we are without his power working in us. That's absolutely what we need to be hearing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're all a bunch of King Davids walking around here. Just, oh, the little God sermon. People love to hear that about themselves. It's insane. Oh. And um, not. And again, is there truth to that stuff? Sure. Overcoming obstacles. Uh, but when that's, and we've talked about this Vodi Bakum, you know, he says this, and we've talked about it before, the whole give a sermon for 45 minutes on tithing and, you know, the windows of heaven are going to be open mm-hmm. to you. And then at the very, very end of the sermon, you call people down to receive salvation. They didn't hear the gospel. They didn't even hear the gospel. <laughs> How are you going to get saved if you don't hear the gospel? And, you know, it's just, we, and that's, we've, we've let people down and we've got to own that. Yeah. Um, we have to own it. We can't blame, you know, if you're a pastor and you've got a church full of people that don't even know that Christ is the way to salvation, that's something you have to own. Nobody else has done that. Um, they're your sheep. That's your flock. You own it. So as we wrap this up, we didn't want to leave empty-handed. Um, so something that, or leave you guys <laughs> empty-handed. And I'm sure this isn't some revolutionary concept, but we thought, you know, as pastors and elders or church leaders, you know, Americans love surveys, right? Love taking a survey on Facebook. Wherever we see them, we take surveys. So consider maybe next Sunday, put a 10 question survey or so in the back of your pews, um, short answer surveys, not multiple choice, uh, and have your congregation answer them, you know, yeah. not like the fluff questions that, you know, what was the name of Noah's kids? Like no, no, no. we're talking like real salvation issues mm-hmm. and find out where your church stands. Um, take those yeah. surveys out and see if you need to know your sheep. Pre- yeah. Is what you're preaching actually a message that's going to get people into heaven? Yeah. Um, Because the thing is, is like, again, you can read the surveys. You can read the stats, stat after staff. Yeah. Our churches need a shaking. Um, Yeah, do a well check on your church. Just have them do a survey. And be okay with pruning. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If you don't have a a sermon every so often where people get up and walk out, you're probably not (laughs) preaching right. And again, I'm not a pastor, um, but this is a gospel that should offend the unsaved people. Yeah. And if you've got 60% of your church that's unsaved and nobody ever gets up and walks out, I don't know what you're preaching necessarily. Um, so the mm-hmm. thing is, 
again, we looked at the stats. Your church isn't healthy, plain and simple. Our church isn't healthy. America's church right, isn't healthy. Church and if you want to know why our country's crumbling, mm-hmm. that's why. The it's, church why. is why. The backbone. Um, the ones who should be praying. If there's no true Christians, there's that many prayers going up uh, to God for him to hear, to heal our land. And no, and the thing is, why is he going to pray? Like, what's the point of a prayer for God to heal our land? When the church is going to hell. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Who cares about the land Please, then? you know, we're lifting up our national leaders that you would give them wisdom and understand. Why? <laughs> Man, like, they're just a reflection of us. If you want to know why our political leaders stink and they're godless heathens, look in the mirror. <laughs> like, we elect the people that we want to represent us um, because they are us. They're a reflection of us. So, this is a hard message, and it's not a message that's meant to be a condemnation of you. I mean, if you're a pastor and you feel called by God, we want you to succeed. We need you to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. We just want you to not rest on your laurels, whether you've been a pastor for 50 years or five minutes. Um, you've been entrusted with a powerful gospel given to you by the finger of God. <laughs> like, it's not to be squandered and. You're not up there to run a business, to make money and write books and gather followings. You're there to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So, um, again, it's not condemnation. It's a cry for truth, um, for the love of the souls that are going to perish and go to hell if we don't do this. And, again, this is for us just as much as it is for you. So Mm -hmm. is there anything you want to say as we wrap this up? Yeah, I just, like, came to me. I was reading Jude today. And just talking about how, you know, people come into the church who shouldn't be there and they're sharing lies and just distorting the gospel. But in Jude, um, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he wanted to write a letter just to um, talk about their common salvation, but instead he had to warn about ungodly people creeping into the church. We have that same warning. We need to read that and be like, why would it not be happening today? But they're not coming in unnoticed. We're welcoming them in. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's a message we need to take to heart. Um, Because again, you're going to stand and have to face, you know, God for what you did with the flock that he gave you. Yeah, Um, you got to protect them. You can't put the unbeliever who keeps coming and rejects the gospel, you can't let them keep coming back and speak lies to your flock because you're condoning it and you're sending a message to your sheep that you agree. Yeah. Be okay with ruffling feathers. Be okay with Mm -hmm. ungodly people walking out of your church. Mm -hmm. Um, Your church may need a pruning and that's okay. um, Cause you prune a plant so it can grow back stronger. um, The same way may have to be done with your church. So um, that's all we got for you guys today. Hopefully we'll have uh, this review maybe coming up later this week. If not, we'll have some good news for you on Friday. That's all we got. Love you. God bless.